Chronicles 25. Second Chronicles 25. Oh, give that offer for me, somebody. Yes. Second Chronicles 25. I'm going to read a few verses for you tonight. <clears throat> when you get to Second Chronicles 25, say amen. Amen. I'm going to start reading at verse 5. I got some humming up here. Y'all help me with that, please. 2 Chronicles 5, verse, or 25, verse 5 through 12. It says, Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds according to their fathers' houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle, even so God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Then Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do about the hundred talents we have, which we have given, I have given to the troops of Israel? And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. So Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back home. Therefore, their anger was greatly aroused against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. Then Amaziah strengthened himself and leading his people. He went to the Valley of Salt and killed 10,000 people, 10,000 of the people of Seir. Also, the children of Israel took captive 10,000 alive, brought them to the top of the rock, and cast them down from the top of the rock so that they were all dashed in pieces. They were all dashed in pieces. Again, verse 9 is our focus verse. It says, then Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Much more than this. I want to talk tonight on a subject for a few moments. Make way for much more. Make way for much more. Will you help me tell your neighbor? Say, neighbor, neighbor. you have to make way for much more. Father, bless us now in the word we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. 2023 was the year of restoration. And if you remember, we looked at a verse, Obadiah chapter 1, verse 17. You remember that? And this verse says, but on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall possess and we call this the year of restoration. We saw restoration happening in families. We saw restoration happening uh, in our physical bodies. We saw restoration happening in our finances. We saw restoration happening in this ministry. There are people that God uh, has brought back to this house who were gone. They were missing, and we prayed them back in, and God has restored and brought them back here. We've seen restoration in, in, in finances, restoration all over the earth. God has been doing great things. But what I want you to know is that, is that restoration that we've seen is just the tip of the iceberg. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible says that heaven is holding Jesus back until the times of the restoration of all things. 
So there are times, there's a time coming where we're going to see all things restored. So what we saw begin or really begin to, to flourish more this year, we saw a glimpse, a preview of coming attractions. We saw that God has a plan to restore all things. Jesus Christ, the Bible says that heaven is uh, holding him there. That word receive literally means to take and to hold. So Jesus, we, we're praying, Jesus, even so come Lord Jesus Christ. But he can't return until the times of the restoration of all things. So he's not coming tomorrow. So if you hear somebody saying, hey, you better get ready, he's coming, he might be coming tomorrow, he's not. Because everything is not being restored yet. Can I get an amen on that one? But what we have entered into is those times where he is restoring all things. But it's the tip of the iceberg. I want you to go to a scripture, please, in your Bibles. Joel chapter 2, Joel chapter 2. And there's a couple of verses I want to read there. Joel, J-O-E-L, Joel, chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. And I want you to see a pattern here. Hallelujah. Because we're about to cross out of this year of restoration. Now, restoration is going to continue. So if there are some things you've been believing God to restore and you say, well, you know, it's midnight on December 31, 2023, and it didn't happen, don't stop yet. Don't cast away your confidence. For it has great recompense of reward. So God's still working. God's still moving. But God says here, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. So notice God says, I'm going to restore. Then he goes on to say in verse 26, he says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. So notice what comes next after restoration is plenty. I'm going to come back over here. Nothing over here. He said after restoration comes plenty. We're moving from 2023 to 2024, from restoration into much more. He says, after I restore, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. That means you're leaving the land of lack. You're leaving the land of not enough. You're leaving the land of insufficiency, and you're going to step into a land where you're going to have plenty, and it's going to be good. He says, because you're going to eat in plenty and be satisfied. Are you ready to be satisfied this coming year? Who's ready to live in plenty and be satisfied? Now notice what happens. He says you're going to eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise. So I need you to commit right now tonight before you leave that when you leave lack and go into plenty, you're not going to cut your praise off. Tell somebody I'm going to praise God more next year than I did this year. Tell somebody if you thought I was undignified this year, Wait till you see me praise in 2024. I'm going to praise God much more in 2024 than I did in 2023. I might have cut loose a couple of times, but in 2024, I'm going to let loose. I'm going to let wild because I'm going to be living and eating in plenty and I'm going to be satisfied. He says, so you're going to eat in plenty, be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously. God's about to deal wondrously with you. And my people should never be put to shame. You're never going to be shamed again. It's shameful when you get to the, to the counter at the grocery store and you got to put stuff back. 
It's shameful to have your car repossessed. It's shameful to have your furniture on the, on the, on the front lawn. It's shameful when you, when you can't get your kids what they want. But no more. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. You're about to have plenty and be satisfied and somebody shout, no more shame. Now then, then he goes on because he, he keeps talking and he says in verse, go to verse 28, please, 28 and 29. He says, and it shall come to pass afterward. Yeah, it shall come to pass afterward. So notice the mode that God puts us in is restore, then plenty, then outpour. And we've been praying and believing God. Sister Barbara ministered on, on Wednesday night about that glory of God. And we're believing God for an outpouring, Pastor Stroman, of the glory of God. I'm ready for the glory of God to hit St. Petersburg and Gulfport and the Bay Area like never before. But God says, for me to put that kind of outpouring, you want to be full time. Y'all missed it. You missed it. For, for me to give you that kind of outpouring, you, your church going to be open seven days a week. Are you ready for that? You're going to need ministry around the clock. Do you have enough money? Do you have enough capacity? Is your building big enough to handle the outpouring of God's glory? Because I don't know what, if you know what happened, but remember on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come and the Holy Ghost was poured out? The church went from 120 to 3,000 overnight. So that means you've got to have an increased capacity. That's going to take some much more money, much more ministry, much more anointing, much more training, much more glory to handle what God wants to do in our lives. And so you're going to pour out spirit on all flesh. Sons, daughters going to prophesy. Old men dream dreams. Young men going to see visions. Also, your men servants and your maid servants. I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days. In those days. Hallelujah. Are you ready for this glory to hit? Anybody looking for the glory of God to hit this area? Well, God is ready to do much more for us. Everybody say much more. Now, one trick of the devil is to get us attached to the nouns in our lives. The nouns, N-O-U-N-S, the nouns. One trick of the devil is to get you and me attached to people, places, and things. Because he knows that those nouns block God's verbs. There are certain nouns, certain people, certain places, certain things in our lives that will keep God from having the ability, this is this what, this what, what, what Reverend Ronald Mathis just preached to us, that when you got sin in your life and you're attached to him or her or it, or that place or that thing, it restricts the ability of God to move in your life. So what the devil will do is he'll get us around certain people, certain places, certain things, and have us develop an unhealthy attachment to those things and those people so that God can't bring increase, so God can't enlarge us, so God can't expand us, so God can't bless us. Tonight, I want to tell you that as we move past 2023, in the 2024, there are going to have to be some things and some places and some people you're going to have to let go 
Y'all not, y'all not, y'all don't want that. Y'all don't. For God to move in your life. I'm telling you, I've watched it and I've watched it even in this church. So many people, uh, y'all, y'all company, just forgive me, I'm just talking to my people. I've watched my people in this church. God, y'all must say we're not God's people. They, they're God's people, but I'm pastoring. And, and I've watched them be so attached to unhealthy people and unhealthy places and unhealthy things. And steady crying about God, why God, why God, how come God win? He can't. Because you won't. But as soon as you do, he will. <laughs> you remember Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? God told Abraham he had to leave his nouns. Genesis 12, 1. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country. That's, that's, a, that's a place. From your family, that's people. From your father's house, those things. From your country, the place. From your family, your people, and your father's house. Now, this is not his household because he already said his family. So the house is all the luxuries and conveniences he was enjoying in his house. Long as he was in his father's house, he never paid no bills. Y'all, yeah. in his father's house, he was living off his father's, you know, revenue and what his father was doing. But God said, Abraham, for me to bless you like I want to bless you, you got to leave those nouns so I can do something. He said, when you leave, he said in verse 2, I will make, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So notice for Abraham to get what God had, he had to let go of what had him. Uh, elbow your neighbor. Tell him it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight tonight. For him to get what God had for him, he had to get what already had him back at home. He was stuck in his country, stuck with his family. Oh, that's my family. He was stuck with his, those are my people. He was stuck with his people. Stuck with the convenience and the comfort of his father's house. And God said, I want to bless you, Abraham. But for me to bless you, Abraham, I need you to step out from where you are, from the comfort and the familiarity of your people. Some of y'all, your family is your holdup. Oh. Oh. They, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that part. You love your family so doggone much. <laughs> but that's my blood. What happened to the blood of Jesus? And you can't step into what God has because you love your now so much. You don't realize God has much more for you and if you get the much more, you can go back to your family and be a blessing. Y'all missed it. He told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. But you can't be a blessing till you get blessed. 
Y'all quiet in Baptist church. You can't be a blessing until you get blessed. So I need you to leave so I can bless you. I need you to move out so I can bless you. I need you to let go so I can bless you. I need you to release some things so I can bless you. I need you to walk away from some things so I can bless you. Genesis 24, we see, see Abraham's servant. He begins to testify about his master Abraham. Genesis 24, 34, he says he's talking to Rebecca and Rebecca's family, trying to find a bride for Isaac. Remember that? So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master, talking about Abraham, greatly. So Abraham left, and notice God blessed him greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. God made Abraham, according to Genesis 13, to extremely rich. Why? Because Abraham was willing to let go of what he had to get the much more God had for him. Are y'all hearing me tonight? In our main text, I only got a few minutes here. Main text, in 2 Chronicles 25, we see a man named King Amaziah. The Bible tells us in, King, in, in this text, in verse 1, he was 25 years old. He becomes king over Judah. Reigns 29 years over Judah from Jerusalem. Y'all got it? He did some great things. He served God, but not with a full, loyal heart. But he's, he, it's a time... A season where the kings go out to war. They go out to fight. And he's going to gather up his forces to go and fight against the Edomites. The Edomites. Now, King Amaziah, who is the, he's over what we call the southern kingdom. Everybody say the southern kingdom. Remember, there were 12 tribes of Israel. They were united under David. But after Solomon got over into sin and his sons got into sin, the, the, the kingdom was split. And you had 10 tribes in one kingdom, the northern kingdom, we call them Israel. We had two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, in the southern kingdom, we call Judah. So now you have this, this the Judah, which was Judah and Benjamin, those tribes. King Amaziah is their king, and they are serving God. But Israel is not. Israel is in all kind of idolatry. But Judah is serving God. It just so happens that Jesus Christ comes. He was born out of the tribe of Judah. So that, that righteous side is the one that God uses to bring forth his son. Are you hearing me? Now the name Amaziah means Jehovah is mighty. God is mighty. Now that's important to note this. Look down in verse 5. Verse 5. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds according to their father's Houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin. See the two tribes? And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. What kind of men? They're choice men. Able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. How many men did he get? 300,000. Now, remember we read the end of the story where when they went and they fought the Edomites, those of Seir, they only, they only captured, or they, they killed 10,000, captured 10,000 and then killed them, 20,000. So we know that Seir, the Edomites didn't have a large army. He had 300,000 men who were choice men, able to go to war, 
who can stand on business. They, 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 they can handle spear and shield. So he has what he needs. And besides, remember this, what's his name again? Which means what? He's named Jehovah is mighty. His name carries a certain connotation in it. That he has God on his side. His name alone means God is mighty. If God be for you, who can be against you? He's got God in his name. He's over Judah and Benjamin, and God is on their side. And yet, something in his mind, when he did his calculation, said that what I have in my 300,000 plus God on our side is not enough. Y'all, y'all, you'll catch this. He, he, the Bible says in verse 6, it said, he also hired 100,000. Now, how many did he have? He hired also 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel. From Israel. Remember what I told you? Judah was serving God, Israel was not. So he hired 100,000 mighty men from Israel and the Bible said these were men of valor. How much did he spend? 100 talents of silver. Now I, I pulled the numbers. I'm a, I'm a silver guy and gold guy. And I pulled the numbers on this yesterday and that's the equivalent in today's market of $2,600,545.29. So he had 300,000 choice men, able men, who could handle themselves, and God is on his side. But in his mind, it wasn't enough. And he spends $2.6 million to rent some soldiers, an army. Now, it's, one, it's bad enough that he didn't have confidence in Jehovah is mighty, that he didn't have confidence in his 300,000 mighty men, that he went and spent $2.6 million to hire somebody. But he hired from Israel. He hired those who were not serving God. Now, Israel, weren't they God's people? Yes, but they, they had turned on God to idolatry. And Barbara taught us this Wednesday night so, so eloquently that if you turn on God to idolatry, the glory departs. Ichabod, the glory departs. So when there's no glory, when there's no presence of God in your life, it doesn't matter how many people you have on your side. It doesn't matter how big your army is. doesn't matter how much weaponry you have. If God is not with you, if God is not on your side, you are going to have a losing battle. So Amaziah gets the idea, I don't have enough, and God himself is not enough, and so I'm going to hire, and I'm going to hire from Israel because those are our kinfolk. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Watch verse 7. It's, it's the text going to tell us how to handle this here. 
But a man of God, everybody say man of God, came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel. So in 2024, I want to remind you of something I preached to you earlier this year. You can't take everybody with you. I dare you to tell your neighbor, neighbor, you can't take everybody with you. Just because they're your cousin and your kinfolk and your baby sister, you can't take everybody with you. Because God's not with everybody like he's with you. I know they're your kinfolk. See, Judah and, and, and Benjamin, they were two tribes, and the rest of the other ten tribes, they were all family. Same root. All, all uh, Jacob's children. All the seed of Abraham. All had the access to the same covenant. But because these ten tribes had turned on God, he turned on them. So because Amaziah gets the idea that those are people, sure they will help us. Yeah, that, okay, they'll come and help you, but they ain't even help you for free. If they your real kin, they, they shouldn't have charged you in the first place. Y'all know y'all missing it. They, they your real kinfolk, they gonna charge you 2.6 mil. Yeah, we'll help you for a price. That ain't real kinfolk anyway. You should have known something was wrong with that anyway. But then the man of God comes with a prophetic word and says, hey, don't, don't, don't let the army of Israel go with you. Other words, Amaziah, yes, you are to go. Yes, you can go win this battle. Yes, it's what you do. But don't take them with you because God is not with them. Oh, my, 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 my. In other words, I can't run with anybody who's not running with Jesus. I need you to say that to yourself. I can't run with anybody who's not running with Jesus. Not if I'm going to get much more. I'm teaching you tonight how to make way for much more. You, it's time for you to evaluate your circle. Go through your Rolodex and really evaluate who in your circle is running with Jesus. Because if they're not, you can't run with them and stop letting them run with you. Pastor, you can't tell me what to do. Okay. Okay. The man of God said, don't take them with you because God is not with them. You better find out who God is with. Remember there were some people came to Jesus Christ one day, he's sitting in the house teaching, and people came and said, hey, Jesus, hey, outside, your mother and your brothers, they all out there, they want, they want to see you. <laughs> Jesus said, who? Who? Who, 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 who was my mother? And who are my brothers? They said, Jesus, these your people out here, your, your, your mama Mary. Remember Mary, Mary, did you know? You know Mary? He said, who? Who is my mother? Who are my 
brothers. He said, he looked around and pointed to all those sitting by him and he said, these are the ones, the ones who do the will of my father, the one who's going to walk right and talk right and live right and listen to Jesus and walk right and that's my family. And sometimes you let blood All right. Second Corinthians six fourteen says this: Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So people say, "Okay, I'm not going to marry an unbeliever." That scripture wasn't even about marriage. That scripture, Second Corinthians six, wasn't even about marriage. When the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, it means in anything. Not in your businesses, not in your partnerships, not in your friendships, not in your hangouts. Don't join no sororities and no fraternities and no masons. Oh, no. That's a service club. It's, a, it's an idolatry club. Y'all don't like it, but I'm the pastor. I'm going to say what I need to say. You keep want, you want to join it. All y'all kids going off to college and military, don't get up there joining no Masons and no sorority and your little frat and all that. Let the fools go to hell if they want to go to hell. But you walk with Jesus. Because it's idolatry. And here you are going to yoke yourself so we can go and feed the poor. You go, oh, it's a service club. Brother Mathis, you had to join a fraternity to go feed the poor? You can go feed the poor today in a week. You ain't got to join no sorority in the front. It's a den of idolatry. Oh, no, oh, no, no. This is our ski wheat. Ski wheat yourself right to hell. Oh, somebody got to say it, Pastor. Somebody got to say it. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? I can't run with the folk if they're not running with Jesus. Amaziah's getting ready to go to fight a battle. And ladies and gentlemen, we heard this this morning. Just like you and I operate in the fourth dimension, the devil's going to be in the fourth dimension, and you're going to have some battles in 2024. I'm not promising you this is going to be an easy year. It's going to be a year of battles because the devil's going to fight you tooth and nail to keep you out of the promises. But if you're going to go to battle, you better go to battle with some folk who's going to serve Jesus Christ, who's going to walk by faith and live by faith, who's going to keep you in check. Sister, you still being holy? Brother, you still being holy? Oh. Stop looking for help. Listen to me. Stop looking for help from heathens and hypocrites. I'm going to say it again because y'all didn't hear me. Stop looking for help from heathens and hypocrites. Because all they're going to do is drag you down. This is what the man of God is telling Amaziah. Israel is full of heathens. 
at best hypocrites. Praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, it's, it's pretty easy to identify the heathens they're out there in the world. But up in here, Lord, hide me behind thy cross. It's pretty easy to identify the heathens out there in the world. But up in here, it can be a lot of hypocrites who they praise God with their lips. They'll dance and shout and leap, but their hearts are far from the Lord. And you better know how to do a little test to make sure you're not joining arm in arm with hypocrites just because you're in the same church. Oh, no, he didn't. Psalm 121, verse 1 or 2. I will look to the hills, look at my eyes to the hills, and what's coming to my help. My help, my help is not from man, it's not from people, it's not from horses, not from prisons, it's not from heathen, not from hypocrites. My help is from the Lord. How am I going to get much more in 2024? I'm going to depend on the Lord. I'm going to depend on the Lord. He's going to help me. Look, look, look at the text. Look at the text. Man of God came to him and said, saying, King, uh, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with you, nor not with any of the children of Israel. Israel, Ephraim. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Everybody say verse 8. Verse 8. But if you go, be gone. If you're going to go, be gone. Be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy. For God has power to help and to overthrow. Notice that the man of God told Amaziah, if you want to go, God ain't going to stop you. In other words, if you're hell-bent on being disobedient, he ain't going to stop you. If you're dead set on doing something that, that defies the living God, he's not going to stop you. Oh, how we wish that God would have slapped that fruit out of Adam and Eve's hand. We would have all been right just tonight. If you want to do it, he'll let you do it. If you make a plan, oh God. Watch your mouth, Pastor. If God tell you don't marry somebody, but you want to marry him, he'll let you marry him. He won't stop you. He'll just say, go ahead. If you want to do it, go ahead. But God ain't with you. You're going to be crying in three years, but I ain't with you. That big plan, that big dream you have, and you want to do it, and God tells you, no, you shouldn't do that. But if you're going to do it, he ain't going to stop you because you have free will. So he's going to let you do exactly what, whatever you want to do. He's going to let you do it. But just go ahead of time. He's not with you. So just because God lets you go doesn't mean he's going with you. Isn't it amazing how some people in the body of Christ uh, do things because they said, well, you know, I got peace about it. God didn't tell them yes. They just, oh, I got peace about it. Baby, that wasn't peace. 
You overrode the will of God. You know you overrode the will of God. Oh, I know I got, I got, I got peace about it. In 2024, you don't just need peace. You need a yes. I said, you don't just need peace. You need a yes, yes. God said, yes, do this. God said, yes, buy that. God said, yes, go here. God said, yes, I want you to have that. Because just because he lets you go doesn't mean he's going with you. Hallelujah. He said, go ahead and go. But you're going to fall. Remember when Israel went up to Ai? Seventh chapter of Joshua lost that battle. Why? God let him go. But he wasn't with them. <laughs> Sin was in the camp. So just because God lets you go doesn't mean he's going with you. It's only pride that lets you hear the man of God or the word of God and keep going the wrong way. Well, I, I, I just think I know what, what I'm doing. And the man of God or the word of God tells you, no, don't do that. And you do it anyway, it's nothing but pride. And guess what? The Bible says in 1 Peter that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. So God was not going to go with them because they were evil. Secondarily, God wasn't going to share his glory with anybody. God is the kind of God, apostle, that'll reduce your army. He's the kind of God that told Gideon, Gideon, you, how many you got? 32,000, God, I'm good. He said, nah, that's too many. He said, Gideon, first thing you do is send all the scary folk home. They send them. Home that he was down left with 10,000 men. Gideon said, Lord, what? 10,000? I was scared with 32,000. Yeah, I know. But I'm about to show out. All right, I got 10,000. God, you're a miracle worker. No, 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 no. Gideon, that's, that's still too many for me to get this glory. Take them 10,000 down down there by the brook, and I want to let, let them get some water. We're going to see who knows how to fight. Took him down to 300. See, so God, y'all got it, y'all missed that. You got to catch this. God doesn't need you to puff up your numbers. You, you, you think you got to go get a bunch of help from all these different people. And God is saying, all them people that you go get their help, it's going to give them the glory. And I'm not going to share my glory with anybody. If it's just me and you, it's the majority. All right. Let me get ready to wrap this up here. So God tells Amaziah that you got too many. You, you're, not, you're, you're, not, you're not, you got the wrong people on your team. Now watch verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10. Then Amaziah said to the man of God, 
but what shall we do about this 2.6? I get it. And truth is, you get it. You laughing at Amaziah, but there are things and people and places in your life that you've invested your time and your energy and your efforts and your money in. Lord, we've been dating six years. Let him go. Lord, we've been together six years. That's the hard to make a mistake. If it, if it takes him six years to figure out if he want to marry you. He already the wrong one. If he can't figure out in six years, God made the whole world in six days. And he can't figure out in six years if he want to marry you, he already the wrong one. Should nothing take that long. So every one of us have people, places, and things that we've invested ourselves in. When you pour yourself into somebody, you pour yourself into, into some, some job, some business, you pour yourself into some ministry, you pour yourself into something, and God says, that ain't going to work. I need you to shift. I need you to pivot. I'm about to switch you. I'm about to switch your ministry. I'm about to switch, switch your mode. I'm going to switch your career. I'm going to switch, switch you everything about your life. And you say, but God, I'm two years away from retirement from this job. And God trying to pull you off that job into much more. You said, but God, I got two more years and I'll get full retirement. What you going to do then? God, I got all these benefits. In 2002, when my wife and I went full-time ministry, Chris, full-time ministry, my, my wife and I went full-time ministry the same day. I, my wife was in a wonderful cushy corporate job with all them corporate benefits. You know when you're an exempt employee, you're not hourly, you ain't punching a clock, you're one of them executive kind of, you know, people. And I was in a barbershop making that good cash money daily, daily load. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Daily load. And God said, it's time to go. Give yourself full time of ministry. But God, what about them benefits? What about it? See, y'all don't, y'all don't. See, see, it's a year of much more, but for you to get the much more, there are going to be some things you're going to have to let go that might be dear to you. That you may have invested yourself in. That you've had yourself around for a long time. And it's going to be evident to me by the time we close 2024, who was willing to let go and who was still holding on. Because those who let go are going to step into much more 
than they ever dreamed. He said, don't go with them. But, but man of God, what I'm going to do about them 2.6, man? Notice he didn't say, what should I do about the, the 100,000 men? He said, what should I do about the 100 talents? Come on now, you know that man will feel that man. 2.6 million? 2,200 dollars you having second thoughts about something. Oh, but that's 2.6. You said just blow, just let it go. That's what the man of God tell him. Just let it go. Don't take them with you. Two, 2.6 million dollars. We're not talking about small stuff, small potatoes. We're talking about a major investment. And I want you to hear what God had to say to him. And the man of God answered. And the man of God answered. Here comes your answer. Because some of y'all have been sitting in the valley of decision for the last three months. Some of y'all have been weighing things in the balance for the last three months because you've been feeling God tugging on you. You've been feeling a prophetic pull in your life to move into something different, to move into new territory, to move into, into a place you've not been, but you've been racking your brain and, and wrestling and praying and even fasting. God, I don't know, is this you or not? Can I do it? And, and, and because you're, you're considering what you've invested and how much time you have and how close you are to this, and you say, I don't know, I don't know, and I'm coming tonight as your man of God. The man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more $2.6 million. And the man of God said, $2.6 million. He said, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Proverbs 19, 21. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. That same verse in the message translation says this, we humans keep brainstorming options and plans. I, I just heard this. It's time for somebody to cut their losses. I just heard that. It's time for somebody to cut their losses. But pastor, you don't know how much I spent. The Lord is able. See, you spent that because it was your plan. It was your brainstorm. You brainstormed all night and came with that idea. But in 2024, I don't need a good idea. I need a God idea. Oh, help me out of here. Tell your neighbor, I don't need a good idea. I need a God idea. I don't need a good job. I need a God job. I don't need a good business. I need a God business. I don't need a good wife. I need a God wife. 
You don't need a good husband. You need a God husband. I don't just want to have a good church. I want to have a God church. I don't just want good ministry. I want a God ministry. And if that means I got to cut my losses on some stuff, then whatever it takes to get the much more God has for me, whatever I got to cut, whatever I got to release, whatever I got to let go, I'm going to let that go because I see there's much more. And my question to you is, can you release what's blocking your blessings? Can you release what's blocking your blessings? Because the Bible says in Psalm 84 verse 11, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So whatever God has for you, he's not holding it back. But you can block it. And what's blocking many of our blessings is what we're holding on to. Because it's what, it's what we did. But, but look, look what I did. But I, I, I put this plan together. I, I built this. I laid this out. I worked three years to make this happen. Look, look how much time I got invested, God. God, you really can't expect me. When my wife walked away, she had spent six years getting two bachelor's degrees. You want me to walk her all that education, all that degree, to go serve you in ministry? God, I didn't need all the six years of college to do that, just serve, come serve your ministry. <laughs> but what God had for us, and we, we didn't know it then, was he had the much more. Oh, boy. Oh, y'all don't want to hear that. But we're living on much more now than we were living on way back then. Don't get jealous. I'm just telling you the truth. We're living on much more now than we were with all of our toiling. Why? Because we were willing to surrender that which we had invested in for what God had laid up for us. And what will allow you in 2024 to step into that and receive it is if you're willing to release it. Yeah. Amen. Amaziah thought 2.6 million was a lot of money. 2.6 million dollars worth of silver. But Haggai 2 verse 8, God says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. The good news translation it says this way, all the silver and gold of the world is mine. So catch this, Amaziah. You paid $2.6 million worth of silver, but even in their hand, it's still mine. Which means if it's mine, I can get it all back. <laughs> and put it all back in your hands and give you much more than this. So it doesn't matter how much you spent, how much you invested, how much you poured out. 
And God is able to give you much more. Let's wrap up right here. I don't want you to hold on to anything that's going to keep you from receiving the much more that God has in store for you in this year. Y'all thought I was going to come and holler at you and give you a prophetic word about what God's going to do, didn't you? That's what y'all sitting away on me to holler about the prophetic word God's going to give you. No. I'm giving you the instruction. Because we can holler about 2024 and much more. But if you keep hanging on to 2023 and all your time you spent and all your investment you made, all the much more will never be yours. I'll close here in Mark 10, 29 and 30. Jesus says this, this rich and ruler come to him about trying to get an eternal life. And he walked away because Jesus said, hey, go sell what you have, give it to the poor, follow me. And he went away sorrowful. For he had a lot of possessions, a lot of things. His nouns were blocking his path. He went away because he didn't understand that God has something more for him. In Mark 10, 29, Jesus answered the disciples and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold yeah. now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. When are you going to receive it now? Now. What are you going to receive? A hundredfold. Now people argue, theologians argue, what does a hundredfold mean? Is it a hundred times or is it a hundred exponential? Well, all I know is it's much more. We can argue about what it means, but I just know a hundredfold is much more than what I have now. And he said, the only way you get it is if you're willing to walk away from everything that has you so I can give you everything I have for you. Stand to feet, I'm done. You waiting on me to rabba-bada and prophesy. It ain't coming. I can prophesy to you, and you'll just sit there and like, well, I well when am I going to get it? Never. So you are willing to leave. Because here's the truth. The moment you leave, you ain't got to wait for another year to change. That's been the hold up all this time. That's been the hold up all this time. God hadn't been the hold up. And stop giving the devil so much credit. Like he can stop it. I think, I'm telling you, Pastor, we give the devil too much credit. Without a doubt, the devil's stopping me, the devil blocking me. The devil can't stop what God, you, the devil bigger than God. And you, he's not even bigger than you. He's not even more powerful than you. How are you going to be more powerful than God? So the devil can't stop you. But if he can get you to stay married, to a bad idea or a good idea. And it's not God's idea. 
If he can keep you married to your good job, your good thing you built, if he can keep you to stay, keep, get, get you to stay married to that, he knows that you never get the much more God has. By the way, Amaziah sent those folk back and let go of the 2.6 million. He strengthened himself, went and fought the battle, and won the battle. He didn't need them in the first place. So the truth is, he wasted the 2.6 million. What are we going to keep wasting because we think we need somebody else's help with something? Man, God is on your side. Jehovah is almighty. Jehovah is mighty in your life. Everybody bow your head.